And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Tuesday, February 23rd. Let's see what's going on. What's going on? Yeah, not that much. Uh, we're, we're in the throes of just, you know, crazy weather as I record this. It's snowing again. I can't believe it. It feels like more snow in the last, say, six weeks where we are here in the Northeast than we've had in the last six years. Could any meteorologist weigh in on that? Let us know. If you've got a financial question, not a weather-related one, do give us a holler. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. And if you want to get on the air with us, when you send us your question, just say, hey, Mark, get me on the air with Jill and he'll make it happen. Okay, Joe writes, hi, Jill. Thank you for doing such a fantastic job. I appreciate that. I'll take it. Joe's 55. He earns a base salary of $155,000. He's got an annual bonus of around $20,000. So, he just purchased a studio, Pied Terre, in New York City for $500,000. He put down 30% and his interest rate for his mortgage, 2.5%. Can you imagine? By the way, a lot of people think, wow, that's kind of weird, 30% down. That's a little bit more um, normal in New York because if you're buying a co-op, often the co-op rules make you put down 30%. Just saying. Okay. Joe's monthly expenses, including the mortgage, about $2,500. He also has a small home in upstate New York. He says it's going to be paid off in four to five years. Okay, after the purchase, I have around $200,000 in cash, $200,000 in inflation-linked bonds or I-bonds, $30,000 in stock exchange-traded funds, and $1.2 million in retirement accounts, a little bit of 401k, a little bit of IRA, but both are traditional. He's got two small pensions from previous employers. Okay. My goal in retirement is to continue to live between the two homes. 
And then maybe he would be a snowbird during the coldest months, someplace warm. And he says, I think that my my expenses will be somewhere between sixty five hundred to nine thousand to keep this up. Hmm. That's a big range. But OK, here's the three part question. I maxed out a $26,000 contribution for my 401k at work, but I like the idea of having tax-free money later on. Would it be wise to start splitting my contributions 50-50 between Roth and traditional or just go full Roth? My main concern is I'll be thrown into the next tax bracket since I will not be taking full advantage of the pre-tax situation. Uh, Let's see. What's the tax bracket here? Let's just look at this. 155. The range is... If you are single, then you're talking about the 24% tax bracket. And you don't get, look, the tax is not on, the top bracket is only on the amount above the threshold amount, meaning that let's say you make uh, one, uh, 175 right now, okay? And you uh, put enough away into your 401k to keep you in the 24% tax bracket. And then the rest, you know, maybe you use a, you can use the Roth option. But even if you're in the 32% bracket, which I'm not so sure you are after you actually file your taxes and take all your deductions and stuff, but even if that, you'd be at the 32% for a small amount of your total um, earnings. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. I'm leaning towards Roth because you have so much money already pre-tax. So that's number one. Number two. My IRA rollover consists of all index-based exchange-traded funds, plus he owns Microsoft, which he's owned for many years. Oh, the initial investment of 6000 has ballooned to 40000 Most articles say to dispense with individual stocks and retirement accounts since they are the riskiest. The stock has been very good to me and has been le- leaping lately. Should I sell some off to capture the gains or let it ride? I don't think Microsoft is going anywhere soon, but never say never. Why not you just take half? Let's not be a pig. There's no tax event because it's an IRA rollover. So I would just take half. And if you want to keep the rest of that, that 20 grand and make that, you know, your, your a little bit of fun money. Sure. Great. Number three, Joe's got two small pensions due when he retires. One of them has an estimated value of $60,700. And he says, I have the option of cashing out or I could take the monthly benefit of $437 when I hit retirement age. Should I transfer this money to my IRA rollover account now and then maybe do a Roth conversion or just take the monthly benefit since it's guaranteed? Second pension is about half that amount of this one. It can't be cashed out. I don't know. Do you like having some income? Maybe that would be a good thing for you. I mean, you could conceivably say, let me take the benefit, the 437. So let's say that you end up having $700 a month that's just coming in. And then on top of that, you'll have social security. Maybe it would be nice to you. This is not so much of a financial decision, Joe. I would say it's more of a, how do you feel about it decision? If it feels good for you to have a little bit of money coming in, just contributing to something, maybe you say, well, you know, that 700 a month plus my social security, and I don't know what your social security is going to be, but it'll be pretty good when you retire you know, that could maybe cover a a good chunk of your expenses. Maybe that would be nice for you and you wouldn't have to really worry about any of the, I don't know, the, the ups and downs of the market. Just having a consistent amount of income might be helpful and then the rest of the money will come out of your portfolio. I probably would take the monthly check. Okay. Uh, Barb wants to know, uh, they moved their investments to a money market last March when the stock market dropped. Should we pay off our mortgage and save the interest charge on the mortgage? 
Also, if if we withdraw the money, would it put us in a higher tax bracket? We are retired and in our 70s. If your investments were inside of a retirement account and you pull the money out, then you're taxed on that. Okay. And that is a problem. Number two, I don't, you didn't mention anything else. Like, how are you living right now? You're in your 70s. Are you collecting Social Security or, you know, how much money's left on the mortgage? If you're never going back into the stock market, yeah, I guess you could pay off the mortgage. It's just another one of those terrible market timing questions, Mark. Boy, I listened to the podcast from uh, the 18th. Did I go on a rant about market timing last week? You didn't stop me, Mark. You, you just let me go. I sounded a little bit like a lunatic. Mark says it was my tough love. Sometimes that's what people need to hear. Uh, this is Patty, and that's not her name. She said I should make up a fun name for her, so I did. Patty. <laughs> Patty loves the podcast, listens to it in the morning, every morning with her coffee. And she said, I've listened to some of your prior podcasts. The people you interview are amazing, especially Annie Duke, Scott Galloway, and wait for it, Mark, Cal Newport. He's got a new book and you guys are going to hear from him again. Get ready, Patty. We got another Cal Newport coming on. Okay. Patty's 41, single, self-employed, lives in Southern California. No kids, no dependents. An eight-year-old lab who's gorgeous. Patty sent us a picture. I make around $175,000 gross and I read your book and it's wonderful. Lots of practical nuggets of wisdom. My financial background, I have about a half a million dollars in an IRA, a half a million dollars in a brokerage account, 130000 in a Roth, emergency savings, 70000 My home is worth 750000 There's an outstanding mortgage of 540000 14 years remaining at two and three quarters percent. My monthly expense, which is, you know, for the house, she's talking about $6,500. I don't invest regularly. Instead, I keep in cash. Bad idea, she writes. So she knows that. But she basically says she saves about five grand a month and then she takes a lump sum and pops it into her investments. That's not terrible. In the next five to seven years, Patty's going to sell her home and rent a one bedroom. And she then would like to reduce her working hours and do something, maybe part time, to bring in that the money that she needs for her monthly housing costs that five to 6,000. So it's funny. So she's basically, she would sell her house and get rid of that expense, but then she'd do something part-time to basically earn money financially. She says, I like the FI, the financial independence, but not retire early and fire. I want to do something productive to keep myself sane. She said, I can live frugally. My major expense after seven years is going to be travel and health insurance. She already pays her own health insurance now. Question. How do I make a future savings plan to overcome my fear of running out of money? I may be able to control all the other costs except healthcare. I want to hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Any help here would be greatly appreciated, Patty. Well, you know what, Patty? I think you really need to crunch these numbers. So, you know, I think that number one, you really have to say, I've got, let's see, 1.2, I got $1.2 million right now. Let's pretend you sold the house this minute. You'd have a million and a half bucks. And what you should do is you should really look at the numbers of what would happen if in five to seven years you did exactly that. And there's plenty of retirement calculators that are out there. I encourage you to do that. And I encourage you to run those numbers so that you can feel comfortable that you can at least have some independence and pull back a little bit. Of course, remember that every year you work is going to make your numbers look better full time, I mean. And then you've also got to decide if you are going to do this, if you are going to essentially cut back, 
you know, you got a long time to finance. You're going to live a long time. And so I think it would be really important for you to run the numbers, crunch the numbers. That's where you're going to find your comfort. Okay. Here's a subject matter. Cryptocurrencies. Hi, Jill and Mark. Daily listener, appreciator of the show. Thanks for doing what you're doing. My question is general. I'm 36. Let's say five grand fell in my lap and my emergency fund is full. No debt other than a mortgage with a low interest rate. I'm putting away money for retirement. Essentially, this $5,000 windfall could be considered fun money. Should I be paying any attention to Bitcoin, even as a risky but legitimate asset? Is this something that is within the pale of sane investing now? Basically, I'm having trouble figuring out if buying Bitcoin is something a level-headed, mostly passive investor should be considering, even with fun money. Would love to hear your take. Hey, Matt, go back and listen to our weekend broadcast with Dan Roberts, where we talked about crypto. I think if it's fun money and it's like anything else, if this is the money that you want to use, um, you know, to, to experiment in Bitcoin, experiment in precious metals, experiment in individual stocks. Sure. You know, my rules on this gang, just pretend whatever you invest goes to zero. How are you going to feel? And if you're okay with it, then it's interesting. And it could be a fun way to learn more about these asset classes. Or if you just want to learn about trading, same exact thing. Whatever you think you can afford to lose, up to say 5% of your total invested assets. That's where I draw the line. I really wouldn't go. I mean, I used to say 10. Now I'm like a little bit wimpier. This one shows you what age does to you, Mark. I get wimpier and wimpier. So yeah, go ahead. Anyone listening here right now, go back and listen to our weekend broadcast, two shows, Saturday and Sunday, where it was all about crypto. Anthony's got a car purchase question. He says he takes public transportation. Some life events have now made purchasing a car more of a need. Mm, okay. I have about $20,000 in an investment account, and that's what I'd use for the purchase. Would it make more sense to buy a used car outright for fifteen dollars to $20,000 and have no debt payment or put fifty down and allow the rest of the money to grow in the investment account? I like the idea of not having car debt, but I also like the idea of keeping my money invested using the gains to help pay off the potential car. As a personal rule, the used car price would not exceed the amount in my investment account. By the way, I'm 40. I've got 25 grand in my 403B, 10,000 in an HSA, 3,000 set aside in a separate Roth for emergency expenses, no debt. And he contributes uh, about 20, almost 25% of income towards these accounts. I mean, look, if you need a car and you can buy a car, then I would probably buy it mostly outright. Here's the problem that I see for you. What do you mean $3,000 in an emergency reserve fund? Doesn't seem like you have a big enough emergency reserve fund. So what I would say is that if you're going to buy a car, you probably can only afford to put $10,000 down. The other $10,000, you should liquidate both the whole thing and make sure that that's your whole emergency reserve fund. In general, I love the idea of owning a car outright, not having a car payment, but you don't have as much liquidity as I would like you to have. I know it's kind of a pain in the neck, gang, but like, your your money being invested is great, all well and good. But what happens if, uh, I don't know, what happens if perhaps you have a, a down market? I know these questions are very funny in the middle of a roaring bull market, but these things can come and go. So I really encourage every one of you to 
take a deep breath and to be clear that it was only last year where we had the market fall out of bed over the course of five weeks, truly. And if we could really get everybody to remember that time, we'd be far better off. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't like an emergency reserve in a Roth either. Mark points that out. That's it. That's today's show. Do me a favor. Send us an email. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. If you have any other questions, um, you know, we're going to start getting into some more variety of topics, but a lot of these questions about retirement, go ahead and run retirement numbers, do that work. I think you'll be very happy to have to have gone through the process yourself. I'll walk you through it and I can give you a back of the envelope. But if more and more of you start getting into just playing with a few calculators online, I think you'll feel a lot more secure with your plan. It really does help. So uh, and we've got a lot of information at JillOnMoney.com. If you're there, sign up for our free weekly newsletter. It comes out every single Friday. And as always, we want to remind you to wash your hands, to wear your masks, to maintain your physical distancing. Lift someone up today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. 